complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I somehow built the table that went in here. And, uh, what do you mean you somehow? somehow okay, no, well, <laughs> I built the table that was in here, in the garage. Yeah, right. I then proceeded to carry the table in, completely built. I could not get it out. Oh. I had to rip the legs off to get oh, it out of no. the room. Oh, what? How did oh, you what? originally get it in? Uh, apparently, I don't know. Looking and pivoting. Through the window the or wall. something. Yeah, I don't know how you And so that. I tried like every way and like sideways. And I was like, how did I do this before? I was missing something because it went in, right? So that's frustrating. Wow! But it was flimsy enough that I just like kicked the legs and they fell off. So. <laughs> oh, jeez! You know there it's you possible, but yes, you just can't exactly. quite get it. Yeah. yeah, I'm going for a more relaxed setup. I'm gonna get a small. We'll be closer. I'm gonna do a small, like smaller coffee table for us, or maybe one in front of us, and like two r- nice comfy chairs, mm. so we can oh. sit. And lounge, that and is... we won't have the squeaky chairs, and, yeah. and save our backs a little bit. We're in a funny setup tonight because I'm in a very comfortable chair. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's good looking, uh, but there are no legs on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, which is kind of like a fun bohemian it is. vibe. So if I could get another one that's like lower, yeah, I like the low. That's fine. But torn at this point is probably like three feet higher yeah. than me, so it's kind of funny, <laughs> like looking up at him. <laughs> That's very good. That's it's very funny. good. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we finally found a table that we like. It was just a, a solid Goodwill find that mm-hmm. folds in so many awesome ways. Like it can just like fold into the side of the room. But if I need to sit six to eight people around with microphones in the podcasting room, I could just, I can like unfurl and set the legs where they need to be and just gather everyone around. So, so it has like leaves in it. Kind of, but they're, you don't really take them out. They just kind of hinge and they just, Oh, hang. I see what you mean. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's nice. So, like a drop leaf. Yeah. yeah kind of. Leaf. So Torna, I'm going to need your help. Uh, Dixie wants to make it a project to like sand it down and refinish it. Mm, kind of mm-hmm. shine it up a bit and uh, make it a little more sturdy uh, with some wobbly uh, legs and what's stuff. Your, so. What's your what's your what's uh, your what's your availability next week? Next week, okay. So to be honest, we're we're not going to make it a project until we can work on it in our new place, like in our garage. Dope. Because I was going to say, um, oh, I think I'm going to be back like the twentieth. 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Oh, right on. But yeah, we we're, we're still marching ahead on the closing date oh, of guys? April 5th. We wrapped up nice. the negotiations oh, with all the inspections. This is so cool. we're in appraisal and loan approval phase. So cool. April 5th is the date still on paper, but there's a possibility that closing date moves up. April fifth. Ooh, right after Easter. That's, That's nice. Very yeah, exciting, dude. So getting into it. That it was, it was heartbreaking to not record last week. Mm-hmm. But 
man, with all the negotiations going on and stuff, like it was really nice to <laughs> keep yeah. the space a little bit. No, that's awesome. That's that's really. Exciting. I had the sense everyone was like kind of overwhelmed individually and so uh, yeah. positive i'm good. like still a little bit overwhelmed but like yeah. in a good way but yeah there's a lot happening yeah so heading if you close on the fifth do you start moving in right, right away how does that work i do i have the keys oh, like sick. on the afternoon of the fifth is what i'm told so um, you're saying like if i'm back home for easter i could like you know help you move because you know dude, if you i'm like that to. dude that's a friend that has a truck i'm that dude and instead <laughs> of having totally the are. guy that asks i'll just offer dude Here it is <laughs> you totally are the guy the friend with the truck i to be honest it's so weird like dixie and i <laughs> we have friends that legitimately love moving like they love packing trucks and just hauling cues. <laughs> are, uh, uh, are they okay? <laughs> They're very okay. They're very healthy human beings. It's the legacies. It's Tim and Sarah. <laughs> they oh, just, I they didn't just know that love they were into it. it. That's awesome. They just love it. So Sarah has been getting really excited for our moving date coming up. But so I guess maybe Torna, you and I have to talk about, because I'm thinking about before I start moving my stuff into the main floor, Mm-hmm. I kind of want to do a painting party and repaint the walls. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that idea. would be the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's something we do on like Monday or Tuesday. Because I'm planning on taking a full week of vacation like after closing day and just mm-hmm. taking a week to move into the first place I buy. Absolutely, I'm going to savor that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. that's you. probably a really good idea because I feel like otherwise you're going to be weekend moving. All of it's going to get thrown in there. Yeah. You're living out of boxes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. So if you want to, if you want to be in Billings to paint the place, that might be, I can, that's, that's far enough in advance that I, I I can see what I can make happen there. Totally. I'm into it. What about, okay. So life updates on you guys. Enough about me. Kat, talk to me about this amazing piece you just wrote for, (laughs) young voices yeah um i wrote a piece on basically the unintended i can't talk right now the unintended (laughs) consequences of progressive policies and so i used california sort of as like a case study and argued that uh, the Biden administration should not try to implement those policies on a national scale, which there's lots of talk about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the piece was prompted by a uh, L.A. Times article that was titled Make America California Again. And I Whoa. saw that and thought, whoa, hell no. <laughs> again. <laughs> Please don't. Where did they get again? I don't out know. Of they're just California they're trying to again. They're trying to force the. Trump. Oh, the Trump. They're, yeah, they're trying to co-opt yeah. the yeah, yeah co-opt MAGA. the slogan. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, it was fun to write. Uh, it was kind of nice to like publicly air my grievances that I've been talking about yes. privately for a long time. You kind of blew up on Twitter. That blew was up hype. on Twitter. You were <laughs> and you were like on a radio spot or something, right? Yeah, through Young Voices, they do a um. So they, it's kind of confusing but basically there's a there's a radio program out of utah that has contracted i guess with young voices and so he has young voices contributors 
on during his radio program. So it's live and it airs then. But then young voices can use those particular segments. He records them so that those can then be used on the podcast, the Young Voices Moving Forward podcast. So it's oh, live, sick. but then it's also like this could be a double feature. You can stream it, so so you'll be on a podcast I, as well. Uh, yeah, it, I already was. Yeah, like it was already on the. It, well, is it is it posted? Segment. Is the mm-hmm. podcast posted? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. We gotta I'll throw a link guys. out. I gotta we listen going, to that. We got a link. Well, hop on Twitter. You can find Cat's article there. But we'll link her article in this episode, and then we gotta link the podcast because I haven't listened to that yet. That's exciting. Yeah, it's only yeah, like ten minutes. It was quick. Yeah, what was, was that really like? Quick. Like live radio? It was interview. a little scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's a lot different than like, like low key drinking whiskey. <laughs> oh my god! Podcasting, yeah. right? Totally. Yeah, and like you know, I'm a part of this program, and I want to make the most of it. And so I, you know, am not going to say no to any opportunities. And they sort of the person that handles the radio TV booking side of things reached out after my article got published and said like hey do you want to be on this like in our slot for this week and it's like tomorrow and i just said yes and um anyway but then had to wrap my head around like holy shit it's live (laughs) i only have 10 minutes to like explain this stuff but the brian hyde is the radio host and he very kindly during the radio break told me that i didn't I told him I was nervous and he said I didn't seem nervous. So that was good. There you <laughs> so go. You got it was you have experience on mic now. So you got you got yeah. some some mileage under your belt. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it really does. And you got to, to you texted it did, us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you texted us. You said you got to mention the whiskey bench on live radio. Like hello. Yeah, which is cool. Up? Yeah. So maybe That's we'll awesome. get some Utah listeners. <laughs> oh, I haven't even checked yet. I haven't we seen see, what yeah. happened, but if that'd anyone, be fun to see. That'd be cool. Yeah, right. Looked it up. I have to admit, though, you guys will hear that when so at the end of the interview, he asked um, like where people can find my work. And I like stupidly wasn't like prepared for that, you know, like. Yeah. And oh. so I was kind of caught off guard and I, was, and I mentioned Perk, who I work for. And then I mentioned, obviously, Young Voices. And then and then he said, and I understand that you co-host a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <Where's he laughs> and, then, oh. <laughs> and then I like and then I kind of rambled and was like. You can find us at Whiskey. It's Whiskey Bench Podcast and Whiskey with an H. Some people don't spell it with an H. And like went into oh, yeah. this nice. funny. Anyway, I listened back to it and I was like, man, I wish I had just like prepped that. Yeah, prepped you gotta prep that, that when you're gonna a be a guest bit. now. Oh, I uh, I'm actually like, oh, here's my I, list of handles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. No, you actually do have to. I think we should think through that. Like, I'm kind of putting together a short document just to help people because, like, all us pot like Highline podcast hosts. We're being asked to be on other shows now. So like mm-hmm. I kinda wanna put a cheat sheet together for everyone, be like, All right, like this is how you can talk about Highline, this is how you can talk about your own show, and this is how you can talk about your social medias or whatever. That's a I, that's a great idea. It's very I've good. got some I've got some friends that are doing a podcast, the Freezins, and they're they're doing great. It's called Too Busy to Flush. And it's every week what? they sit down and have a <laughs> they have a conversation and then it's like one of the few times they get to have really serious conversations together as a couple because they're they're alone in the in the studio and they get to record together and they just talk like family and kids and uh religion and i have been laughing so hard listening to their podcast like nice. stories about you know 
just hilarious stories about like watching animal shows and then like having to explain sex to the kids <laughs> and you know all of those parenting questions that people have and, and hilarious stories so i want to see if i can get on their show no kids dude, and totally like, i want in on this kids conversation from like a single dude's perspective yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that would be super fun and and uh i was thinking oh man i'd love to get them on here and get some, some cross yeah some cross love going totally that'd be fun cat i'm wondering we were talking before our mics went on we were talking about you possibly blogging sometime in the near future because we were talking about the editing process with your piece and you'd mentioned like a couple of your favorite sentences got cut out maybe for word count or something so talk to me about this idea i'm so into this i i don't well so a few years ago many years ago actually probably like i don't know six plus years ago mm-hmm. i actually bought a domain the skeptical millennial.com nice i was gonna have this whole blog that was just like political basically and anyway sharing my thoughts and uh i was just a big fat lazy bum and never did it and then eventually i was like why am i paying for this i'm not actually right no so you don't have the handle anymore i no, i don't i don't yeah wow well you should definitely buy it back up before this episode (laughs) goes live because if somebody else wants it they're gonna scoop it hey i always thought it was a good name here punks trying to steal that name (laughs) yeah So anyway, so like, yeah, I mean, it would be cool. And I remember when when Torna and I first talked about the Whiskey Bench, we were thinking at some point maybe there would be a full fledged website and we could potentially house other types of content, which would be an opportunity to kind of expand on some of the things we talk about and like write long form essays or something. I think that'd be awesome to have a venue for that. And yeah. Henning, you'd be allowed. I mean, allowed. We would be allowed. allowed to. Uh, thank you. If you, thank if you. you. No, that's not what I meant. But if you wanted to, I should say you could put all of your blog stuff on there, or whatever you know, whatever pieces you want. It wouldn't have to be political. It could be a poem. It could be, you know, I love your little blog post about just like tying your shoes. Oh yeah, like, what a, I feel like, man, that was forever ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But Ooh, I've been thinking. Okay, so Cat, I've been thinking about. Uh, reinvigorating my own blog, which, if anyone's curious, is Stephen G. Henning. Blog. Gonna look it up. I. Okay, well, not on air. Oh, we're not. On air. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> but so I've I've been thinking about reinvigorating it, but uh, to be honest, like most of the things I started writing about a couple of years ago are things that I get to talk about every week, either with you two on this show or with my friends Josh and Emily on Ravel. So I'm kind of thinking like. Man, I really do love writing, but what am I going to write about? And basically, I think I'm just going to reinvigorate my blog feed as book reviews as I finish books and podcast reviews, like just talking about any podcast I listen to, which that'd be fun That's because I'm a podcast nerd and I'm currently subscribed to 105 different feeds as of today. (laughs) I remember for a while there, you were trying really hard to keep it under 100. Have you just given up or? Uh, to be honest, I did just give up because there were quite a few like local Montana news podcasts that I found that I wanted to keep. And I've been binging a lot of shows like How Sound and The World According to Sound and 20,000 Hertz, like a lot of sound design mm-hmm. nerddom. So I just kind of gave up because I, I have the ones yeah. I want and I, well, I keep finding good, compelling shows. So You've also been curating that for a while now. 
Yeah, so at one at point, point I was subscribed to 226 podcasts. Right. And at some point... <laughs> so whittled it down. And at some point, you're going to hit 100, and those 100 are going to be adding value to you. Totally. So then do you just restart and be like, okay, or, or up your percentage? Well, like, the limit's 110 now. You know? No, I mean, I don't, I don't know no how limits. I think don't about that, Don't hold yourself honestly. back. Yeah, 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 right. Shoot for the stars, baby. <laughs> well, it is, it is weird. Like, books and podcast just feeds are the one thing i'm like very not minimalist about mm-hmm. and i mean we we talked about minimalism hey speaking of minimalism you guys and those two on that podcast and that documentary <laughs> i wanted you to know that lately they have not been adding value so i minimize them i unsubscribed from like <laughs> everything oh, <laughs> good good did you i that you shared that like commentary from i don't know he's some kind that of youtube little, personality yeah. really funny oh, man that was spot on like a 15, <laughs> i loved that a 15 minute video and the whole time i was just like oof yep oof. yeah right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah it was good that that was one of the catalyzing moments where i was like oh maybe i don't need to follow them enough maybe i've gotten what i need to from them and yeah. uh, it seems I mean, like they don't have that much to say. They're like what they have to say was is compelling. But once you've heard it, maybe maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that totally is it. And I'm like me raving about the podcast feed of theirs. It's all like their early episodes where they're talking very specific stuff. But anymore, it's like this really esoteric, like abstractionist philosophy conversation they always want to have <laughs> about how nothing is everything, but everything is nothing. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, I, they're this milking is not that your teat yeah, hard. This is not it's your dry. brand, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do, I do see the value. I kind of like, so I know, I know that we don't have to talk about them the whole time, but I did like, <laughs> I liked that the YouTuber pointed out that most of their most recent documentary was just them giving their TED talk again, mm-hmm. but on <laughs> Netflix. Yes. And, like literally the same scripted lines. That no, was the totally. Best it was like back to back with the same inflection and timing. Even like they, it was a rehearsed piece. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do kind of get the value of people doing that in a different. Like TED Talk is one thing, and definitely a TED Talk audience, like a someone who subscribes to the TED Talk YouTube channel, might be different than just the average person surfing Netflix and like they're into Marie Kondo a little bit and then they find their minimalism documentary, you know? So like it's a different audience. I also do kind of value this concept of if I'm going to be giving like a live talk 50 times on a tour or something, like I might as well record it once and not have to revisit it. So maybe to come a little bit to their defense, just from like a content creator standpoint, maybe they, they just put that documentary together it's a good documentary. It's shot really well. I love the filmmaker, but like maybe they just said it and made it so that they, that could be the last time they said it, you know? Mm, yeah, maybe that's mm. what I'm thinking. But cat, if you want to do a blogging challenge with me, I think that would be really fun. Keep a, keep each other accountable on posting Ooh. something on a regular basis. I, yeah. What What would that look like? We just have, we set like a goal and we, yeah, even if it's just like every other week, make sure you put something of your writing up on your website, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And may- maybe there's be- a word count too. Like make sure you publish 500 words every two weeks. Like it doesn't even have yeah. to be that extreme because I know we're busy people and stuff, but I really do want to write. And like for a while I had the the habit going and then I just lost it because I, I didn't mm-hmm. have someone else like doing it with me, you know? So anyway, I will I say I have. Yeah, totally. Like before I started the Young Voices program, I I had like a, so many sort of op-ed ideas sketched out like very roughly but like you know i jot down an idea here or there like yeah, in totally. random notebooks and stuff and then and now like that i have a reason to write and i have like expectations i, I i'm loving the structure because it's forcing me to do it and it's mm. and i enjoy it and i'm hoping like we'll see what happens but i'm hoping i can get another opportunity after this to keep doing this sort of thing yeah that would be um, sweet. You already, you already got featured in the Washington Examiner. That was kind of, that was pretty cool. That's, that's like really. <laughs> oh, no big deal. Really rad. I mean, that's. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was that was the most subdued, that. like, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. I get, I mean. No, I don't mean, well, I don't mean to be like, oh, it's no big deal. But like, yeah, I was, I was stoked about that. Absolutely. Sure. You should yeah. be. That's sweet. My, and my dad was like, now oh, that's, that's real. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like the other places are real too. But yeah, yeah but thank Did you. Did your dad read Washington Examiner? Um, he said he, yeah. I mean, he, he, I think he really only reads like the journal, yeah. but, but yeah, he'll surf the web from his little phone on occasion. Oh, right on. I'm into it. Torna, <laughs> any life updates for us? Uh, life updates? Just been working hard, man. Absolutely. Just grinding. This is how I've known you. Yeah, I've got bunch of jobs lined up and i'm currently in the process of helping someone that has a business in billings expand into bozeman which has been taking up my free time the last week Mm, yeah pushing to get them here and what about the restoration or remediation company that you're thinking about still going on cool so that gal reached out she's going to reach out to you oh great i found i found potentially Torna's first client for this new Beautiful. business. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, I'm slowly working Networking. on figuring out and, and trying to start a remediation business and helping launch someone else's business in Bozeman and all of my other stuff going on. So mm-hmm. I am busy. Absolutely. And your instinct about there being a need yeah. for more remediation companies, from what my little anecdote is pretty spot on, because this gal said she's been getting the, her house was flooded over three months ago and she's just been getting the runaround from these companies and the Mm -hmm. one she like settled on and is working with through her insurer basically told her like yeah it's gonna be another three months before anyone can get out there and do the actual work gosh geez so i was like well i know somebody so (laughs) i do not know the full extent of the market in bozeman but from what i've heard not to (laughs) try to spread rumors here but from what I've heard is that the companies here have a tendency to do the remediation, which is highly profitable, and then give clients the runaround and try to get fired off the job before they do the rebuild, which is replace the drywall, do the painting. That's what she's doors. waiting on. Yeah, That's exactly. so fucked. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay. There's one real world example I've encountered that is exactly what you've described. Yes. So maybe that's true. And it's it's kind of a shame. I wow. really hate to see that happen to people. Yeah. And then they're left high and dry and they've got to find another another person and it's gonna cost them more money and mm-hmm. and all that. So 
Well, and it's just like, I feel bad for her. She and her husband just bought the house mm-hmm. and this happened. And they haven't been able to, like, use most of their house, like their kitchen. Like, they've been eating out for over three months. And the what thought the of heck? doing that for a, over six oh, months total oh, is gosh. insane. I sincerely hope that I get to help her. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. She's going to reach out. I will, I will prioritize that. Get her going. Sweet. That's Look at you guys do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Freaking biz. So, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking all the leads I can because I got to get as much work in. So I can like take all of July off because I want to go to Canada and go to Mexico. <laughs> oh, yeah. Update on my birthday plans. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Not Mexico? I nixed Mexico. Okay, all right. It's just not the right time of year. Okay. It's rainy mm. season and it's the best time of year here. So I realized like, why would I leave here in the most beautiful time yeah. of the year? So now I'm thinking rent a house up at Flathead Lake. Henning, you and Dixie are invited. Oh, uh, there you go. I'm into it. For like it. a long weekend, you know? That's way more doable. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. More people could come. I realized I was like going to be alone on a beach in Mexico during the rainy season. Uh, I was like, why am I trying to force this? That would be, that would be Not, a major bummer is what it would be. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My nah, dad was I'd, like, I'd be there. Be like the, the, <laughs> yeah. be like the, uh, the one song, got my ass in the sand. I don't know. It sounds know the, like a country song. Uh, yeah, it's a country song. <laughs> Leave you high on dry on that one. Oh, my dad was thinking about going sorry. to Denver this week, and they're supposed to be like blizzarding for the next week. And he called me. He's like, "Why would I subject myself to that? I'm I'm good because he lives on the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Like he's out in Seattle. Yeah. He's like, I'm was it, I'm good. Come I don't visit need... Montana. It's been sunny and nice here. I know, right? I think I got a little sunburn on my ears today. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. Nice. I'm hoping to get sunburned this weekend. <laughs> Heck <my> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the goal, but also wear sunscreen. Be safe. Cool? Yeah, I'm cool. the worst about it. That's okay, cool. I have been sipping my delicious Lafroig 10 for- You're Still a, with her, huh? A mm-hmm. solid 20. Yes. Hey. <laughs> hey. I haven't closed yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. pinching, pinching pennies right now. Back yeah. off. So, Fair enough. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sipping on Lafroig 10 tonight. I want to hear about what you guys are drinking. It's delicious, FYI. Yes. We and are beautiful. drinking a good old Italian cocktail Naturally. called the Bella Bella. Oh, there you go. This is actually a drink that I wanted to make last time we met up, but I didn't have any orange juice. So, Rand got some orange juice, and it's actually very similar to the Lady Diana that we had two weeks ago. It's one ounce of gin, two-thirds an ounce of Campari, Mm -hmm. half an ounce of limoncello, half an ounce of mandarin Napoleon, which I didn't have, so I just used an orange liqueur, Mm. and then two-thirds an ounce of orange juice, shaken, strained into a chilled glass, and then a nice little lemon twist to garnish it off. It's really good. It's fabulous. Just Tur- a touch of each of those things yeah, makes like so a really nice, nice subtle drink. Yeah. And yeah, the bitterness and the lemon from the limoncello. Mm-hmm. It's very Italian. I, I saw another recipe where instead of Campari, they used Aperol. Aperol. And I bet that would be delicious as well. That'd be good, but that'd be sweeter. It would be sweeter. Yeah. But I tried to see if there was any interesting information about it. I saw quite a bit of information about a drink called a Bellini. Yeah, that's a classic Italian. Yeah, with yeah. the Bellini. Because Bella is beautiful. Bellini must mean like the little beauty, hmm. I guess, which is from a bar in, in Italy, the Harvard bar. But the Bella Bella, I don't know if it's an older cocktail or a newer cocktail. I, I couldn't even find. I found one recipe for it. 
Oh. There's not a lot of information on it, which is kind of a bummer. Cause How did you originally come across it? I got it in, uh, it's in my bar book. Oh, okay. But there wasn't any. Sometimes they give a little tidbit of history on it. This one, it was just the recipe. Hmm. I hopped online. I found a recipe, but no information about it. Hmm. It's kind of sad, but it's delicious. You can make up whatever story you want, though. Super Italian. <laughs> the Bella Bella, the beauty, beauty beautiful, beautiful. This is This is off topic, but. Just, I love kind of out of context, <laughs> just saying, K, K- Bella. Which yeah, is, you do say that. How beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, K- 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 Bella. It's nice. Mm. Off topic. So this drink, As if we've K- been Bella. on topic at all tonight so far. Uh, fair yeah, enough. That's true. <laughs> how many minutes in did it take us to get to the cocktail? Hey. 30. There we go. It's hey, fine. no, it's fine. That's great. We're we, catching up. Yeah. Absolutely. We just joked about it last episode. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. A lot it feels like it's happened in the last two weeks since we last recorded. Honestly, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. our COVID relief is passed now and headed to our president's desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he signed it already today. Oh, damn. damn. Signed it. He signed it early. Yeah. There we so go. we're going to get those, that da- daddy Biden money. ASAP. Explain nice. this Daddy Biden thing to me. I don't I feel know. We so just joked. Okay. <laughs> no. I don't think that's a trending thing. No, Torn it's not and at I all. have just joked. We called it Daddy Trump and now Daddy we're calling Trump it Daddy Biden. And Daddy Biden. Yeah. Right? Just funny. Like, you know. Yeah. Is it meant to be uncomfortable? Because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. meant to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's the nanny state taking care yeah. of you. Mm. You'll be wiping your ass soon. Yeah. Well, we might be wiping his ass sooner than. <laughs> God, I was. That's good. Yep, that's very accurate. Wow. You know, I was. I was. Uh, no respect. Whatever. Gets no. Yeah, I don't. I was thinking about it. Like, I follow this president on Twitter, and his Twitter is mm-hmm. so much more chill. You guys, like. Well, yeah, because he's not managing it. I don't have to be worried <laughs> I don't even about look at his Twitter. We're going to be nuking just... North Korea soon because he's having you a tantrum. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I miss Donald Trump's Twitter. Yeah, entertainment value alone. I'll exactly. back you there. Yes. Yeah, n- exactly. Totally. We also knew what he was thinking, what he was up to. You, yeah, there is there is something to be said of that level of like bombastic transparency like at least you know what's going on Mm, yeah (laughs) Yeah. no that's true and then you know if it's a if there's a problem i'd rather like have it shoved in my face so i can be aware that like wouldn't have been nice if biden was just like i'm gonna drone strike syria exclamation point you know and i actually um, have major cognitive issues (laughs) yeah but you know it's pretty wild trump did get a golden statue made out of himself with flip-flops and american Flag Get shorts. Here. Did you not Wait, see what? that at CPAC? No, <laughs> no, I don't follow that. I didn't follow CPAC closely. What? You I know. Guys. I like. I mean, because it's the same bullshit. I mean, I don't know. I thought it'd be like nothing new or exciting. A literal golden calf and... rolling down the halls of the convention center. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I'm gonna. Okay. I'm I wonder gonna, where that's housed. I'm gonna have to dive where into this because I feel like. <laughs> Okay, I don't know, but there's got to be some people at CPAC that were like, this is weird. Oh, I would m- imagine a lot of people. <laughs> I wonder whose idea it was. I don't know anything about it. I, I would hope, but no, no that's pretty wild. We should put some photos of that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on? I heard about a bill that Kansas, was it Kansas City in Missouri or Kansas City in Kansas? They were trying to pass a bill that would make it illegal to like talk back to cops or like talk 
bad about <laughs> cops. Have... Did you hear about that? I have no idea. Oh, God, no. no. What corners of Twitter do I follow that you guys don't follow? Yeah, you're, in some, you're in some <laughs> odd corners of Twitter. Okay. I heard about that one. Any other events that you think are, are worth mentioning, Kat? Uh, what else is going well, on? Well, a big one, the, the walls are closing in. I sort of hate that expression because it was overused with Trump, but it's actually happening with Andrew Cuomo, mm, New York's governor. True. Yeah. He's oh, kind of like, the sixth, he's been punching wild trying to like, do damage control. Yeah, the sixth the woman has come forward accusing him of some kind of sort of either sexual misconduct or actual assault, like groping and kissing unwantedly. And all of that comes on the heels of the fact that the uh, there's a federal investigation into his handling of well, his COVID policy, basically, mm-hmm. in the state and a With mandate that homes. he issued early on, yeah, requiring nursing homes to take back in COVID positive patients from hospitals. He and his aides basically fudged the numbers and doctored the numbers and cut them by about half. They reported like around 6,000 deaths in nursing homes from COVID. Wow. And we've now realized that it's like well over Mm -hmm. 10,000. And some of his aides have admitted that they like literally doctored the numbers because their excuse was, because Trump would have used it against us and we didn't want to spark an investigation. It was like, Before well, the election. Yeah. if there's a need for an investigation, then like, what are you? Yeah. So anyway, I just have no... now there is one. Yeah. And mm. it's a little frustrating that like those cons- the concerns that those women have raised are real. I think, you know, well, they haven't been proven, but they're legitimate and they should be listened to. And I understand the outrage there, but it's a little bit frustrating that like 10,000 people died and that's not in large the, part because of a bad policy yeah. and he lied and tried to cover it up. And like that isn't the leading mm-hmm. issue that's getting people riled up about trying to anyway. But basically the party has turned on him. So his time, his days are numbered mm-hmm. at this point. That is that so, is that's honestly a, that's one of the, the big things about the progressive wing is that they will throw you under the bus so quickly. If anything well, goes around. Is it they're throwing you well, under the bus or they're it's... being consistent to to their own thing? Like well, I wouldn't I wouldn't give them that much credit, but I do think that the part I mean the Democrat Party was I mean, the guy won an en- Emmy because right. of his COVID right. briefings, <laughs> for Christ's sakes. He wrote a book yep. talking about his leadership during the COVID crisis, mind you, that was published in the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, it's not over. It was in the middle of things. Um, and the media, I mean, he was like the golden boy of yeah. the whole mm-hmm. COVID story of, you know, bad governors in red states and good benevolent governors in blue states. And like, Sounds like he's done enough to earn at least one peace prize. I yeah, I think that I don't know if it's if it progressives have some high moral standard and they're sticking to it and let the chips fall where they may. I think it's I think there's AOC's been sort of AOC's gunning for Bill de Blasio's position or excuse me, I've got that backwards. AOC's gunning for for Schumer mm-hmm. and and sort of they're trying to stave off the progressive wing. Cuomo was sort of a part of that bulwark against like maintaining the old guard of the Democrat Party. And now that there's so much evidence stacked against him, I think they've realized like he's no longer useful. Now he's collateral damage. So now Mm -hmm. we need to like throw him to the wolves. Mm. 
to do get and do the damage control they can to like maintain the old bulwark of the Democrat Party. You don't and, like you, keep the progressives at bay. You don't think there's any? Do you think there's any bit of it though where Cuomo is being me tooed and they're being consistent at least in that like, yo, if this is true, if these allegations are true, like you should not hold the power you have. You should not have the influence you have. And letting that happen. I mean, I think there could be an argument for that. But when a woman came forward and accused Biden and had like some corroborating evidence. Mm -hmm. Sure. Everyone in uniform on on the left just ignored that story. Okay, Yeah, that's so I don't so I don't know if there's consistent examples of it. And I think, you know. I don't know. They tried to I think they tried to protect him for as long as they could. And yeah. it's it's they can't anymore. So now it's like, OK, full frontal assault. Everybody in unison unite against this guy. Right. Get him out. Move on. Kat, listening to so, you anyway. talk about politics is like listening to my one of my friends talk about the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> it know, is it's just a dirty game, you know, so much. And I'm just like. Wow. <laughs> if, <laughs> man, if only I cared at, at all about the same thing. <laughs> wow. I could follow along. Have you guys, did well, you guys ever watch House of Cards with uh, Kevin Spacey? And uh, I watched like one season. No. Robin Wright. I was like, okay, I, I got a season. I get it. I get the premise. Oh, but before you, he was canceled. <laughs> but you don't That's right, he got, get it he got until canceled. you're four. You got to watch all four seasons. Season five, garbage. Season four, it was brilliant what they were doing because they were doing every season was 13 episodes and they did four seasons mm-hmm. to mirror the four 13 card suits of a deck of cards. And the house was called oh. House of Cards. Oh, that's clever. Absolutely fantastic. It like that was one of those where I'm like, man, I could see why people get into politics. Like there there is so much weird like backstabbing and just leveraging on mm-hmm. all sides even in the way it was dramatized like i was really into it i kevin spacey is one of those actors that i love to hate like he plays a slime ball so fucking well that i'm like oh I hate one. You. yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah mm. yeah so i mean i think i'm drawn to it i'll just say quickly i think i'm drawn to politics because like yeah, it's kind of like dramatic and I suppose exciting and stuff, but it has like real world implications. Mm, mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, the stakes are kind of high. I mean, a lot of it's just like stupid bullshit, like Mr. Oh, Potato Head. But a lot of it is. But like at the end of and the day, that it's, I kind of can't stand. It's, it's how the world works. But policy stuff and yeah. the implications of that right. are real. And so anyway, yeah, I find it interesting. Yeah, the Potato Head stuff. Are you guys following Dr. And, Seuss at all? See, yeah, I've been following that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big intake, Cat. <laughs> what do you What are you feeling? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a big rabbit hole that we should probably reserve for a whole episode, perhaps. Oh, on its own. okay. But like, fair enough. Actually, talking about recent stuff because yeah, you know, it seems stupid, and I think this is a good conversation to have because I know a lot of people have very varying thoughts on this. But Mr. Potato Head happens. Okay, it's stupid. It's annoying. Doctor Seuss happens. Okay. Just recently, they said they're not going to have Pepe Le Pew in the new Looney Tunes movie. Hmm. A New York Times editorial columnist who is has radical ideas 
was the one who put forth that idea. I don't mm. know if, if it's gone beyond him writing about it, but he basically said, like, Pepe Le Pew normalizes rape culture. And mm-hmm. so, like, we shouldn't allow it to be a part of our Dis- entertainment. Disney just said that they removed uh, the Peter Pan cartoon and Dumbo cartoon off of Disney Kids because it has negative stereotypes presented in it. You know, <sighs> and so even though it seems silly, like it's at what point do you have to actually really have this conversation and be like, are, are you know, give an inch, take a mile. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's silly because I think it does have sort of the compounding effect. The that compounding you're effect. About. And then yeah. it leads to weird stuff like our article that we shared among us about like how. Racist mathematics yeah. is Ooh. racist or right. white supremacy. Well, it's, yeah, it's a part or promoting of this... getting the right answer is a form of white supremacy. Right. That's something that people that have power over teaching your children are pushing. Right. I mean, it's a cultural shift yeah. that will have far-reaching implications and long-term implications. And I think just on principle, it's it's people succumbing to an angry mob Mm -hmm. even if it's you know a not a physically violent mob but a mob on twitter (laughs) you know or in the editorial pages of left-leaning outlets i mean it's it's people succumbing to to just like peer pressure basically Mm -hmm. and i think and i think there's also and this is something i'm actually exploring and potentially trying to write about like i think it speaks to a deeper a deeper issue of like how do we understand and define racism and bigotry and i find like the um dr seuss example i'm forgetting that author's name but that author i mean he was anti-war he was dr seuss for the yeah doctor <laughs> he was for the civil rights movement i mean he was like very very progressive for his day mm-hmm. and was a champion of the left i mean the left loved him for a, up until a couple weeks ago so to to it, it's kind of mind-boggling that somebody who could have once been on that quote-unquote side is can be cast out for for these perceived grievances and when you and then I wonder you know I'm, I looked at some of the illustrations and I think okay well so there's somebody depicted with with slanted eyes how is that an offensive depiction some people have slanted eyes is there any is there something wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that people find fault with that to me demonstrates that like that they think there's something wrong with that. Like what only round eyes are the only normal eyes and that's the only thing that can be depicted and shared with our children. Like I don't I don't know. To me like taking offense to that says something more about the person who's taken offense to it than to the person who wrote it and and didn't intend to offend anybody by yeah. it. I would like to actually look and see what the illustrations are that people are up in arms about mm-hmm. and, and see what people are talking about and put it in the context of everything presented in that book, which yeah. from what I understand, I mean, I think I've read Green Eggs and Ham, The Cat in the Hat, and what's the, the fish book? One Fish, Two Fish. Yeah, and no, none of those are the ones that are being Yeah, and I don't removed, think I've but... even read any of the other ones, even as a kid. Well, but like, yeah, the six... It's a very caricaturized... Right, which all, which all, all of them are all funky and weird. And children's the, illustrations are well, especially Doctor right? Seuss, and you have like the the 
Grinch people. They have the weird. They're like people, but they got funky noses. The and hair yeah, out. and then the Lorax. The, the who? Right. Yeah. Right. So there's definitely like some context there. At least I would assume. I, I don't know. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. I don't, I didn't see the, like, the mob asking for, like, the Sousa state to take it down. As far as I understood, they took six relatively obscure things down. Like, as as an estate and as a company, they just decided not to publish them mm-hmm. anymore. I, I didn't see it at all as, like, cancel culture or, like, someone the coming tr- after them. You know, like, they But they, they took made it-, it down because of pressure, is my understanding. Okay. That they were pressured to, to like, do something about these mm-hmm. illustrations that were offensive to people. And their solution was to remove them. Hmm. Or, you know, no longer publish them. Now, and then eBay banned them. You literally can't buy them. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Like used. Yeah. Which, I don't know, that concerted effort. Uh, I don't think there's anything you can do about that. I love I the idea kind of, of a scary. black market Dr. Seuss book. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's yeah. Seriously. That's a tweet right there. Right? That's so funny. I, I, I gotta, when I go home next week, I'm gonna dig through and be like, God, please, I hope we have some Dr. Seuss books in the bookshelf. That's so Your dad solid. has to, right? right With yeah. all of his collection. Well, you've been yeah. wheeling and books, but not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, that's very interesting. I, I don't know the story behind the whole Dr. Seuss thing, but I have a feeling because it's been the same thing in the past. It's like one progressive professor at a Ivy League school that like reaches out or talks about one specific thing. And that kind of starts pressure, but it's such a, it's like the public doesn't even see the pressure and then it gets applied and then a company makes a move. Mm -hmm. Then after the moves made, like you said, they just kind of decided to stop publishing six of those books. Then you have all the people that come out and they're like, oh yeah, we're for this. Mm. And that is like then perceived as the mob, even though it's already happened. And then you have the other side that's like pushing against it. And both of those really you know, combating groups actually had no play in the original, in quote, cancellation. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Other cancellation stuff, I I need to look into this more. The drummer from Mumford & Sons. I haven't heard about that. He He tweeted tweeted about Andy. That he read Andy Knows' book and the band kicked him out. Jeez, I'm crow. Wow. I bought his book just to support <laughs> him <laughs> when the when the mob was trying to prevent that book. And I've been, from I've, been it. I've been on Twitter and I I don't know much about Andy No. I follow his journalism stuff like that. Yeah. There is a massive group of people that think he is legitimately a fascist and a Nazi. Which is insane if you read or listen to anything he has to say. The Antifa rioters hate him because yeah. he's been he's basically devoted his career to exposing them they also assaulted him and put him in a hospital yep. pepper sprayed several him, years him. ago no like yeah. beat the sh- like yeah. crap out of yeah. him yeah like multiple stitch- stitches like anyway it's yeah like, it's like trending and people <laughs> are on the hype train and then they see that and they're like oh yeah this guy's definitely a 
Nazi and a fascist. Yeah, he's a he's a white supremacist. He's also like I think Filipino and an immigrant and yeah. like you know I don't know doesn't doesn't espouse any of those beliefs at mm-hmm. all. And when the anti-fascists use like mob force and brutality mm-hmm. and violent tactics and censorship to be anti-fascist i think they have to pause and think about what they actually there's stand some, for there's some beautiful irony in that it's <laughs> insane Ugh. i saw a big old swing and a miss of a tweet a while ago that said the same people who are the tweet said that the same people who would support banning someone on twitter are the same people that would support burning books in Nazi Germany. And I can't disagree more with that. I think that is such <laughs> a bad take, to be honest. I, I'm curious to hear what I mean, you there's think. People who are, there are people banning books today, so you could have a very a much more direct yeah. metaphor if you want. The people to, true. banning books today are the same people that would have burned books yeah, right. in Nazi Germany. That that seems more reasonable. Yeah, but what's your what's your grief or beef with <laughs> well, it? Well, it's it's Penny. one thing to say a book is banned from being sold on like eBay or whatever, right? But that doesn't mean that the book isn't being published anymore unless the publisher just goes and makes the decision in Dr. Seuss's case. Like that's fine, yeah. but like a a book burning <laughs> it feels like on such another level to me, I think my my major beef with the tweet is that first he was using Twitter to say it. And I was like, OK, cool. Um, b- <laughs> <laughs> but so Twitter, I mean, we man, we've gone back and forth on 230 and like what what Twitter should be doing versus what they are doing. And I personally. Like, I, I don't know if you could levy against me that everyone being like banned from Twitter, like Donald Trump being banned from Twitter. Like I don't have a dog in that hunt. You know, I didn't follow him. I didn't care. I was annoyed that he tweeted like he did. And when he got banned, I was like, okay, Twitter can make that decision. And that's just, that is because I believe that Twitter is not today's public square. And I think that should be celebrated. And I think that the first amendment rights of Twitter uh, like are important to back when book burning in all examples I can think of versus like a really niche, like Christians go and burn 50 shades of gray or like, did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, it did when it first hmm. came out. And like, interesting that, I mean, little niche groups will go and like scratch and burn satanic metal CDs. Right. Because, they're worshiping the devil or whatever. Like that's, that's one thing, but especially like the famous book burnings I can think of do come from top down government regimes that are implementing that book burning. And I know Mm -hmm. again, there's a black market created and people can like stow a Bible under their floorboards or whatever. Um, which is the classic thing you hear about growing up evangelical and talking about getting Bibles to China, which Yeah, maybe that does happen. But that's my point is like Twitter deciding to ban someone off their platform is not the same as a government mandating that its citizens burn a book because the government is threatened by the writings in that book, especially when the book was the best technology of dispersing information. So like 
the equivalent to book burning, in my opinion, is the government saying, Twitter, you can't be Twitter anymore. Because it's it's removing like the greatest one of the greatest information like dispersing technologies of its age. Well, one government is trying to do that. Well, I agree. Not, and I'm against that. The, not not in the same way you're like right. describing, not directly in that way, but like, yeah, both parties are trying to like control and manipulate what Twitter is. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I largely agree with you. But just to play devil's advocate, I mean, I think you could argue that sort of the movement behind quote unquote cancel culture is very closely aligned and associated with one political party. Is and it backed and empowered by that political party? I don't, part- oh, yeah, I I think don't, that's I don't know if I believe that. I but- see enough evangelical christian twitter who wants to cancel the fuck out of anything leftist or antifa or uh, anything even like progressive christianity like they want i i, I think the instinct to mm. not i don't know that world i, I think the instinct to not so. hear what you don't want to hear is strong with mm-hmm. anyone and in this person in this case i subscribe to cancel culture being kind of below the x-axis and Using horseshoe theory, I think cancel culture can be guilty on right or left because everything is below the x-axis. You know, like the ex- extremes of any political spectrum are actually closer in their their actions than something more toward the top or centrism or moderate. Yeah, I guess I guess you know you see canceling all over the place, and it's in spheres that we're not attuned to, mm-hmm. and so generally. Whoever has the most, uh, I don't know if you want to say like cultural relevance or um, social presence, those get the most traction. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be one side that has most of the. Well, you feel most of the. Like, you social. I think you hear more about the presence. traction. I, I mean, like this, this could get into a huge discussion about just widespread, like network television leaning left right and like we talk about the capital m media and big newspapers leaning left so you i think you do hear about it more but in corporations bowing to all of that too i mean there is kind of like uniform thought that bows to sort of woke culture and i mean i hear you that like there's sort of far right, I guess you could describe it, like mm-hmm. but I, conservative Christians that yeah. have historically always like been opposed to anything outside of like their doctrine. But I think like in terms of the compounding effect and like the broader trend of what we've seen over the last few years, like it is progressive ideology that is intolerant of of individuals that don't adhere to that ideology and mm-hmm. and when you have a major political party and major corporations and major media sort of all aligning behind that i think that that does get you to a level maybe not quite of nazi germany burning books but it gets you you're moving closer down the axis to that and that to me is i think it's worth 
I, I don't think it's it's something we should just brush off or dismiss as like, well, yeah. it's just fucking Dr. Seuss. Like, yeah, but it's that plus a lot of other things and like, <laughs> where does it end? Sure. You know? No, I, I get the where does it end concern. My opinion on Dr. Seuss is the exact same as Twitter. Like, I think the status quo for Twitter is just fine under 230 and like mm-hmm. they can do what they want to do. And also Dr. Seuss estate can do what they want to do. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm for not sure. perturbed by yeah, that like at I'd- all. I don't think there's um, I'm in agreement with you on Section 230 and I definitely and not like I don't think that there's there's some sort of like top down solution. Right. Like I don't think the government needs to get involved and like make the Seuss or whatever his name is. That's not the name. Right. But, like, you know, force them to keep publishing a book they don't want to publish. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, yeah, they're a private publisher and they make can make whatever decisions they want. But the fact that. They made that decision based on pressure from this movement we've seen that's putting a lot of pressure on a lot of different people. It's I think it's something worth paying attention to. And I think it's you know, I think it could turn Mm -hmm. ugly. I think I mean, I think there are instances where it already has. But I think it's kind of like this beast we keep feeding. Yeah. And eventually it's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you, Henning, because I want to work through this because this is interesting. The trend seems to be, okay, this thing happened. I, I understand that this is within the the realm or, or rights that publisher or platform or um, whatever individual has. Sure. You know, it's it's within their limits or their their rights to do this. What potentially would like raise a red flag for you? Would like stopping and stopping publishing of maybe like historical stuff oh like you can't read the diary of Anne frank anymore or something like that or like we're not going to print the rape of nanking because it portrays japanese poorly or we're not going to print um history of on the op the exact opposite side like the encampments you know or biographies about japanese that were interned in the united states because it reflects poorly on the american people like that I think probably is a big red flag, but is there something smaller that would kind of start to produce some suspicion on the way things are, are leaning or is this just something? I honestly don't know. I like what you're describing to me would bother me like Mm -hmm. for, (laughs) for the record before. Cause that's, cause that does happen in Japan. Yeah, no, totally. Pretty much stop publishing negative history about, that. Totally, and that's and we even do it a little bit in the United same States. Same in China, same yeah. in Russia. I yeah. mean, well, their histories have been like deeply censored. Yeah, and and we're doing that now. Yeah. it is it is problematic. I do view it as problematic when you try to cancel like fucking Thomas Jefferson, right? Like there is a history to our country that that man is integral to. Like we would not have our Declaration of Independence without that guy, right? So, mm-hmm. and and whatever you think, like uh, getting into like confederate flags confederate statues all that kind of stuff i'm more of the opinion that it should be preserved like in museums and Mm -hmm. you know handled with care by historians who are able to like bring the full cultural context of the 1800s to the civil war right to discuss it right and if if someone does have a problem like i mean like uh, my wife dixie her middle name is lee and literally, mm-hmm. she was told growing up she was named after Robert E. Lee because uh, her father was from Louisiana and very, like, mm. devil horn hand confederate, you know? And 
in a way that that still that feels a little problematic to her and like she uses her name proudly like dixie lee sounds great but even dixie like she got the name literally because her father was proud of the south so like it's weird. Like, what are you, are you going to cancel my wife or like ask her to change her name? Well, She's literally gotten Instagram messages like change your name because it suggests uh, like antebellum slavery or something. So so you see that reflects so poorly on the people that are trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Like those people are legitimately like like immoral people, I would say, like to attack someone like that. And obviously context matters, but like. I've known Dixie for a long time. I, I obviously didn't know the history behind her name, but like never, ever once hearing Dixie Lee, <laughs> yeah, did I like read into that. A, I think a, she's a white supremacist, or or, or read right, into yeah. it negative history or anything like right. that. And like at some point, I think people that see that or you know are, I don't know if they like want to read problematic imagery into something. So they have something to do, like cancel your wife. Oh, like, like they're just looking for something to fight because they're they have just looking for itch. a fight. Right. Yeah. No, I think because it makes them feel good about themselves. Totally. Totally. So. Oh, man, that makes me I'm, mad. I love your wife's I, name. Thank you. So do I. I Dixie's great. I hope Dixie listens. You're great, Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> it's very unique. And I'm a big fan. I have been since the ninth grade. Anyway. <laughs> I, <laughs> man. This is a fun question, Torna, because I, I see where it goes. Like you're saying, like, okay, do we not read The Rape of Nan King or The Diary of Anne Frank because it portrays something negative? And I think that is something we're dealing with right now because we're finally nearing the point where most, if not all, the people who lived through World War II era, like mm-hmm. their generation is dying. And and now yeah. we don't have people with living memory of those atrocities. So now we're dealing with like, okay, what the fuck do we do with what we're hearing about the last hundred years, you know? And that's, it's challenging. So like, I see where it goes and I I see a slippery slope in there somewhere. I just, I'm not sure what is like on the slope or versus what's still on flat mm-hmm. ground and not at risk of like taking a tip over that hill, you know, rolling the boulder that direction. Yeah. Do you think that when the day comes that it's an issue that it will be recognizable for you or do you think it would be a healthy exercise to start thinking Holy about shit, those? Holy shit, dude. I and, and figure out <laughs> figure out where that it, point is that you need to start doing something about it. It absolutely would be the best exercise for me to figure out where that tipping point is now cuz the historical trend is people miss the no, right. totally true. I am um, the there was an episode recently on Eric Weinstein's The Portal podcast uh, mm-hmm. where Great he podcast. highlighted like he started his like his essay club or something. And the very first one he read was basically like, are we all simply insane? And basically it highlights how German citizens in the 1930s like were completely blind to it and they were hearing critiques all about their Fuhrer. And they were like, what? No, not that, you know, and they just mm-hmm. keep a living life. Totally cool. Until the Americans and the Russians start knocking on the door because we finally pushed all the way back to Berlin. Like that essay and that podcast episode, like I just listened to it a couple of days ago. So it's, it's very fresh on my mind. And I hated the feeling it gave me because I was like, 
holy mm-hmm. shit, am I going to be one of those guys that's like guilty of like willfully turning the blind eye? I had a, tw- <laughs> you're also making me think of this uh, Twitter poll I put out a while ago where it was like, be honest, would you rather take the blue pill or the red pill? Mm-hmm. That was fun. Thank that you. Was. What was the vast majority of like what? Hundred percent red pill Instagram and Twitter, hmm. which was the knowledge. Right, one, right? that's the one like knowing the yes, problem. The red yeah. pill yeah. is like wake up to the matrix, actually see what's going on, and yeah, I thought that's encouraging. No, Everyone, it totally is encouraging. <laughs> but like I, I then went and put up an Instagram story and quite a good Twitter thread where I kind of argued for the blue pill. For the blue, right? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I, I, I did. <laughs> you also just like to play devil's advocate a little yeah. bit, which is an important role. Bit, but it's like, an, it's there's a lot of value at that, in that moment in my life. I I was in a place where I was like, okay, life is actually pretty good, and it was actually kind of informed. My devil's advocate can came from that like never before released Matrix cold open that the office never used on an episode. So they have. Oh, I don't know oh, about that. I have to watch that. You sent it to me like a month ago. This, we have to put this in the show notes, you guys. We'll watch it after we stop taping because it's okay. so fucking good. So, spoilers, <laughs> I guess, for that. Jim and Pam set up this elaborate prank on Dwight after he becomes the regional manager. So it's like right at the end of season nine that they're supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. And they set up this elaborate prank where basically, like, Hank, the security guard, pretends to be Morpheus's brother and get Dwight to take the red pill. And so he goes through the whole spiel about like, you'll wake up to the matrix and you'll see reality as it truly is. You won't be like drugged and numbed to all of it. And Dwight, like it like classic Dwight Schrute. You think he's going to be totally in for like the matrix style adventure, just (laughs) his entire character. But he has this real moment of like solemn thought on his face. And then he's like, I'll take the blue pill. And he goes through this whole, his whole reasoning of like, Look, I finally got my dream job with people I absolutely love to work with. Like, even with our bad history, like, I'm finally in the place where I, f- like, it is the place where I finally feel satisfied in work, in my personal life. I'm marrying the woman of my dreams. I have a baby with this woman that is turning into a fantastic son. I'm Like, my farm is growing. I'm, like, growing my business. I own the building that my office works in. And, he, it, like, he goes through all of it. And by the end of it, you're like, well, shit, maybe I would take the blue pill if I was really in a place <laughs> that I thought That's life fair. was good enough. And like next week, I'm so excited to talk about nature of man because the mm-hmm. my yeah. my natural what feels like my natural bent is to give the benefit of the doubt, even where it, when it's not deserved to at least listen mm-hmm. and assume innocence or benevolence before I assume ulterior motives like very ugly self-interest because i don't think self-interest is inherently evil but no. oh that's where we differ not not uh. in thinking that but in your optimistic perspective totally that's why we that's why we which i so enjoy in our conversations yeah. we we have just like we come from different perspectives totally and, no yeah. but I, I but i think in the light in light of history like stephen henning needs to be a better student of the malevolence that lurks in the human heart somewhere. I just don't think it's 51% evil or more. Like 
I I think at the base of it, I I I really do believe, and maybe I just choose to believe it out of naivety, but like I really do believe mankind is good and sometimes acts evil, and I think that evil comes around with like culturation and like joining a society that promotes mm-hmm. like and amplifies the things that turn into evil and the things that turn into malevolence and like inflicting pain. That's so I think you, interesting. I think you could argue that the same for good though. No, I you totally I, could. I think I think I think that right? I have the exact I think I actually might have the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to see great evil in man, but not to be not in a cynical way. I'm not cynical about mankind. Yeah, totally. But I think I think the default being evil, but understanding evil is the only way for true goodness to be brought forth. Right. Well, okay, so if I'm going to rephrase what I think I just heard you say, like understanding true evil, like you you need the contrast so that you see how good the light yes. is compared to the darkness, right? Yes. Mm, yeah. But I don't think, I do not think that man is inherently good. Oh. <laughs> I, I think we're just... I was thinking about this just a little bit today, and I'm glad we're going to have some more time to ponder this before yes, we really dive totally. in. But in my initial thoughts before I started to really like read and sit down and think about this stuff, um, my initial thoughts were like that we are inherently animals, and but we are like we have this this beautiful ingrained instinct to seek a higher understanding that's what separates us Mm. from the rest of the animal kingdom and that higher understanding is what drives us to to create sort of the culture and the religions and the theologies and whatever it is and depending on how we shape those that can lead us to good or evil and i think good or evil is also subjective you know, like oh, mullahs in Iran. What? Mullahs in Iran think that <laughs> what I believe in is evil. Yeah, and I think the way they treat women and homosexuals what? and anybody that doesn't yeah. adhere to their strict ideology, I think that's fucking evil, right? right? So, like, there is some of it that is subjective, which then that brings us back to our first conversation. Right. About right. <laughs> so we, we might just perce- oh, no. this is, this is, <laughs> I am so excited just, for next we week. We just cracked. <laughs> So many eggs into this omelet, and we have <laughs> so beautiful. much work to figure out. This is I. We do. Oh, so yeah. I just got and goosebumps. I have, I'm so and, excited about what you just said, Cat. Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. cool. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I've got a couple, and and part of my argument to back up my thought that man is inherently evil is uh, like a neo-Darwinistic argument that is tied into okay. that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that ties into man as animal, mm. which I tend to think that man is animal, but not just animal. It's it's somewhere above animal. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we have that instinct to drive for more, and I think that's what separates us from the rest of sure, sure. But like animals, animal I think yeah. There's a, there's an evolutionary neo-Darwinistic argument that that can tie into the morality question which is a i'm so excited for this conversation you guys like a a philosophical discussion about like the state of nature Uh, because i'm sure i'm sure maybe after next episode we could try and apply the layer of like what what our personal faiths 
imply onto what we think in like a purely philosophical sense and like how we allow that to inform. But okay, so I have I had so many notes ready for tonight and my main three like drawers if you will, like imagine I have a dresser, right? Like every drawer has a name of a different philosopher. And I almost want to tell you guys to do your research on one specific one so you can represent this person next week hmm, because okay. they all have like, Oh, like each of us represent yes, one. Yes. So, okay. That's fun. So I like Torna, that. Okay. Your homework assignment is to study the work of Thomas Hobbes on the state of nature jealous uh, that'll be fun because i know a little bit of rousseau and i know a little bit about Locke. i know probably the least okay. about hobbes so can i just say hobbes because i just was doing research this afternoon fucking hobbes lived to be 91 years old nice and he was like f- late 1500s right or was he that was long. Yeah, 1588 oh, okay, to 1679. Yeah. There you go. That's old for then. That's fucking old as shit. <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, holy yeah, dude. moly. Nice, and man. I was working there. All right. So- and Rousseau's kind of hot. Those are the other things oh, I learned. <laughs> oh, Rousseau's kind of hot, eh? He is right. a little bit. I see it. <laughs> Compared to the other two, That's he's like really. Casanova. But, but. All right. <laughs> you guys are Anyways. doing it for me already. So, Torna, you research Hobbes, and I want... You to be able mm-hmm. to summarize his Leviathan argument in addition to state of okay. nature and be ready to talk about where you disagree with him. Those are the parameters. Like Perfect. S- like summarize that. their this stance uh, on, uh, on, their, on the state of nature and be ready to talk mm-hmm. about where you agree and disagree. Cat, uh, you're John Locke next episode. Um, <laughs> because... Okay. Uh, that makes what, sense. <laughs> I mean, like, based on the notes I'm looking at, like, you guys, at least the, your introductory arguments, it was like, oh my gosh, you are embodying this person right now. So, John Locke is all you. State of nature, talk about natural rights, innate ideas, and what happens when an individual joins a social contract. Okay. Summarize his points. And I, I'm taking Rousseau on this one. Because I think Rousseau is, of the three of them, far more optimistic than both Locke and Hobbes are. Locke, I consider Hobbes a pessimist, Rousseau an optimist, and Locke is basically like, blank slate, it could go either way. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess that's that, pretty spot on. That's kind of what it sounded like you about. said, Kat. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. We're well poised for the next I episode. I think so. This sounds fun to me because, Wow. So I I loved your guys' questions today. Like, absolutely, it would be in my best interest to educate myself better and like be ready to identify the slippery slope. Um, if it means anything to you on the big five personality test, I am huge in openness, which I think really informs my optimism. Hmm. Like, mm. wait, is that like the um, what is it? The uh, twenty six. Or thirty six percent. No, that's that's the Myers. That's the Myers Briggs. Seventy five Myers Briggs. Okay, I just did that for the first time. Actually, the the Big Five is actually a test and a framework that Jordan Peterson helped set up. Um. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's right. Uh, Let me look look it up. Like I took his test. Is there like a test you can take? Yeah, it's like it's like ten or. I feel like I've taken so many tests and I never remember what his I is am. like. <laughs> his is like ten or fifteen bucks. 
Jordan Peterson's is. Well mm-hmm. worth it. I t- I talk with a therapist uh, every other week, which is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Um, and she knows me pretty well at this point, and she suggested that I do the Myers Briggs test, mm-hmm. and it was really fascinating. Oh. And I'm really Care glad to share I did your it. letters. And uh, yeah, mine were I was uh, the advocate is the type, and I was INFJT. Oh, okay. INFJ. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was neat. And like at first I was reading and I was like, eh, I mean, this is generic. Like what, what is this even saying? And then it drills down into like sort of what that person personality is like at work and in a romantic relationship and in friendship relationships. And like if you have children, I don't have children yet, but like the shit it said, I was like, fuck, that sounds like that's what I'm going to be like. <laughs> and, I mean, it was really, it was kind of in, like, kind of. I think it's easy to be bit. skeptical oh, of personality yeah, tests just because like for me, it's like, sure. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm going to tell a test what I'm like so that the test can tell me what I'm like. Like, uh, cool. That's yeah, so that's helpful. True, huh? Like maybe just having the questions would be useful. Um, mm-hmm. so, and like, yeah, maybe, but. I've found value in the Myers-Briggs. The Enneagram is one that gets shit on a lot that I've I've found value in. A lot of them are like, I hold them with enough looseness, especially the Enneagram. I always say the Enneagram is the most helpful bullshit I know, just because like, <laughs> it might border on astrology, but I don't care. It's taught me about myself and it's made me a better husband and a better person. So, <laughs> Oh, there you go. Um, I've never heard so, of that one. Huh. Enneagram's like, Big Enneagram is big oh, in really? Christian culture. It it blew up a couple of years oh, ago, okay. and it's it's yeah it's still going. But the big five, so each one is kind of on a scale. So it's enthusiasm and assertiveness for extroversion, withdrawal and volatility for neuroticism, compassion, and politeness for agreeableness, and industriousness and orderliness for conscientiousness and openness and intellect for openness to experience. So each, each one is kind of a, uh, like a line graph and you kind of place along either one, kind of like the, the Myers Briggs lands you in, in your specific number. You're like 60% I and 40% E for introvert versus extrovert, something like that. But the, Mm, so gotcha. The, uh, the the big five are extroversion, neuroticism, agreeableness, conscientiousness, and openness to experience. So, might be interesting oh, for us right. to take this test too, just to know where we're totally. we're coming from. But I, I just googled the enneagram and I came up with like the medical test, not the like enneagram e n n enneagram. I'm a phonetic speller. Gonna take an online enneagram test. Absolutely, figure out what my number is. Oh my god! So I took the enneagram test on WebMD and. Uh, and I'm healthy. And I'm, oh, that's unusual. Oh <laughs> WebMD usually gives you the worst. That's true. Anyway, guys, oh I'm God. I'm so pleased with this episode. We we led to I think what's going to be an awesome episode next week. Yes. Just to clarify, next week we're going to talk about nature of man, and I think this is a good segue into that. Some conversation about culture right now and canceling and understanding motives behind yeah. that and. Moving forward from there, and I, I, I guess we, we 
we posed some great questions tonight. I don't know if we presented any profound solutions, but no, but we're sparking, we're yeah, sparking conversation. Right? Get all, those brain juices. It's all philosophy flowing. next yeah. week, so buckle up. Yeah. And yeah. we all, I have to say, I think we all like really missed each other. Yeah. Totally, we got the juice. <laughs> it was kind of yeah. nice to just Absolutely. ramble. It was good. Well, I think tonight was a good conversation, and I'm looking forward to next week's discussion where we'll be uh, drinking and philosophizing. Bringing Hobbs, Locks, Hobbs, Locks, what? Bringing Hobbs, Locke, and Rousseau to the table. Absolutely. All right. The lights are flickering. It's the time. It's time to go. Time. Thanks, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Thank you.